Let us pray. God, our helper, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may be led into your truth and taught your will. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The scripture reading this morning is from James. It can be found in the Sanctuary Bible on page 229 of the New Testament. Listen now for God's living word. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes come into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also come in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the other one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the laws as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for it all. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it, if it has no works, is dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O oh God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O oh God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. So last week in worship, we began a sermon series on the book of James. So for five weeks, we will be exploring the epistle, the letter of James together. Now, a few notes for you from last week that apply this morning. James is written from the framework of a Jewish Christian. And the book is also written in a tradition seeking to honor and participate in wisdom literature. That is, the book seeks to join others that we know, like Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastes and Job. And James is not speaking about the beginning point of a life of faith or of a person's faith. Rather, James is speaking of a faith that grows, that is becoming mature, Thematic the thematic focus, focus is on ways that faith is lived through an entire life. Faith is, in a sense, 
a way of life. And this faith is experience, James informs us, reminds us, because of the grace so that God gives us today we enter into first. two conversations that James opens, and we'll take them in order. The first is how we live our faith together, avoiding partiality, distinctions. And the second is about the necessity of a faith that is more than simple ideas or concepts, because faith is a way of life after all. So the all first part of the James scripture is about us. being a neighbor. And the focal point of the scripture in James 2 could land in a variety of places, but one place is a single word which in the original biblical text, in the Greek, the word is synagoguein. If that sounds like a word synagogue to you, there is some resemblance there. And this word means assembly or a gathering of people. Now, typically in the Bible, when one of the authors, sometimes scholars call them evangelists, when one of these writers would refer to church activities, that writer would typically use a word ecclesia as opposed to synagogue. Now, ecclesia means fellowship. In a sense, it, neither of these words is about where the people gather so much as how and why they gather. And so, ecclesia, or church fellowship, refers to gathering in the presence of God. So when we gather as the church for mission, for worship, for fellowship, we are gathering okay. as the ecclesia too. But it has an even broader sense. Meaning that as the synagogue, the people of God can also gather for legal purposes or community functions beyond these walls. It, it can also even mean gathering for business as the people. Now this broader, broader understanding of gathering is important to take notice of, and particularly when we look to the wisdom that James offers the faith community. James turns to the Torah when he teaches the faith community how to gather. James goes to the laws of God that are communicated in the book of Leviticus. We don't spend a lot of time in Leviticus as Protestants, as Presbyterians, but in, particularly, uh, in particular, James goes to what is called the royal law. It's in Leviticus 15, it's in, excuse me, Leviticus 19, verse 15, and verse 18, where God says this, you shall love your neighbor again in the as Gospel yourself. Matthew, it's echoed through the New Testament, it's echoed right here in the second chapter of James. And Leviticus is very clear on what the people no of God reality based on do. income, no slander, no profiting off of neighbors, no hatred directed toward others, no grudges, no vengeance. Instead, the people of God are called to love as God loves and to share this love as Jesus shared it. And so James is echoing this teaching for his people this and for us. The broad meaning of synagogue is important. Loving one another as a neighbor is bigger than our family, 
It's bigger than our community. It's bigger than our church. It's bigger than these walls that we inhabit. It happens in every not just part when we come to church, of our lives. not just when we are gathering with our friends, and it includes people different from us, even those that we do not understand or even like. It's not very easy, is it? So there is a recent documentary that was called Will You Be My Neighbor? Who do you think that movie's about? I think you know. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't You Be My Neighbor was always the ongoing invitation of Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. He invited children and adults as neighbors in his very big neighborhood. And he did it with simplicity, and he did it with gentleness, and he did it with grace. And all of this was very purposeful. Now, if you hear biblical undertones in Will You Be My Neighbor, you probably should. You see, Fred Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister, and he was ordained under an unusual set of circumstances at a time when we understood pastors being called only into traditional church ministry, Fred Rogers felt a call to TV ministry, a television ministry of his design and creation. And his presbytery ordained him for just this purpose. And so Fred Rogers understood the message of Jesus being bigger than four walls. It ex- and he didn't even preach from from the place of a pulpit, he embodied the ways of a life of faith rather than simply being directive, and he ended up teaching us all a lot in this. Now, Fred Rogers, we know he created the neighborhood that transcended place. It was a neighborhood that included everyone, even when exclusion seemed explicit. It was a neighborhood where people learned how to be a neighbor. And he looked for how people, children especially, could thrive. And he was not ignorant of the harshest, the world's harshest realities. Quite the opposite, actually. In PBS children's programming, he addressed violence and warfare, racism, divorce, bullying, poverty, and there was no judgment, no diminishment of character, no shame. Instead, there was recognition. There was hospitality. There was welcome. And while his voice was healthy and inclusive was for children, for adults, won't you be my neighbor? Now, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood was not just fantasy. When that trolley went off to the land of make-believe, ask Gen Xers, they know that ding-ding very well. It was not just make-believe. It was a world of different and diverse people, people who struggled to get along, 
people who struggled to treat one another as neighbors, people who struggled with their own identity and, in and the place in the world. There was conflict. There were disagreements. King Friday, he tried to control people. He was mean. He even tried to build a wall to keep people out one time. And Daniel Tiger, he refused to share his toys and possessions, especially his toy truck that he loved so much. Henrietta Pussycat was constantly being jealous of others. And Axe the Owl struggles with being patient with his friends. He just loses his patience. Just real problems, like real, real people. The parallels between the land of make-believe and the events of the real world were an intentional and they were undeniable. And the relationship to the royal law in Leviticus, in James, is clear. The second part of James without works is dead. It's convicting. If you go on to verse 18, James offers a voice of wisdom. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works, James says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I, by my works, will show you my clear instruction without judgment on how to live a life of faith. Now, James teaches that faith is more than ideas or concepts. It's not just something for the spirit. It is also for the body. It is not just for the head or the heart. It is lived out with our hands and our feet. Faith is something that is lived. It is something that is breathed. It informs our actions. Faith informs our identity, who we are as the children of God. Faith invites us to live into more and more as the people of God who God created us to be. And this identity, God says that it's good, merciful, without judgment. And this identity means we support one another as neighbors. It clothes, it lifts up, it walks with, it weeps with, it celebrates with, it shares joy and all of life together. Junior spoke about this life of faith and works. Resurrection. He said, any religion that professes concern for people's souls and is not concerned with economic and social conditions is dry as dust. invites religion to, to live a faith that works. He calls us to plant and water a faith where the world looks Take note, though, dry. James does not ask us to change who we are. James knows that we are already people invited by God's grace grace. and love of Jesus Christ to continually transform us, to be more and more who we already are called to be, which is we remind ourselves again and again and again, we renew our lives again and again, that as We know we are welcomed with grace to turn to the world to welcome with grace and faith. We're called to be a people 
who build a neighborhood that is defined by Christ's love and Fred Rogers, he would end his show, every show, with carefully, carefully chosen words. I'll summarize them, but they were like a benediction. You are special, and I like you just the way you are. You've heard the criticism, right? Some people accused Mr. Rogers of creating entitlement with these words. Some said, well, Fred, if every kid's unique, then no one really is, are they? Some even mocked the the show. But the naysayers were too hung up on partiality and enforcing distinction. The message that Fred Rogers was sending, you are special, and I like you. Now, these are not just the the words of Fred Rogers. These are the words of a promise that Fred Rogers knew by faith. They're words of a promise. It's a promise that our neighbors need to hear. I don't know about you, but it's a promise I need to hear. I think it's a promise we all need to hear. I like you just the way you are. It's a courageous act of welcoming, isn't it? A bold act of loving neighbors to say these words. And if people of faith, if you and I are to love our neighbors as ourselves, we need language like this for ourselves. We need to share words like this with one another. We are loved. That we are worthwhile. And if we know this, we can treat our neighbors as ourselves. And then our neighborhood, our community can grow more and more because we walk together, neighbor to neighbor. Because our actions, our relationships, our attitudes, our faith, our life of faith, will reflect the grace that we know from God. sense of well-being, of acceptance, the love that Christ offers, becomes the grace that transforms us again and again into being the people of God who we have been called to be and who others beyond these walls have been called God turns to creation, God turns to people and says, you are good. God likes you. God likes us. Because we are invited to be good neighbors, which is the way God made us to be. May we always remember the invitation to be such a neighbor. May we always remember the question. Thanks be to God. Won't you be my neighbor? Amen.